So let's jump into John chapter 4. We're all the way down at verses 39 through 42, and it'll be on the screen for you as well. Many Samaritans. Oh, I left, part, I left an important part out. So after Jesus rocks her world by reading her mail, telling her about herself, the woman is, is stunned. She's shocked. And she runs into the town, a town of which the people would have known her, everything about her. And she's like, hey, everybody, you got to come see this guy. He's probably the Messiah that we've been talking about. It, this is going to change your life. And so the people run out. And so in verse 39, it says this. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there for two more days. And many more believed because of his word. In verse 42, it says, They said to the woman, It's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we've heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. This is God's word for us and to us. Jesus, help us today to see our lives from your perspective and to understand our, our brokenness and our shame from your perspective as well. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to say that I love that this story is recorded in Scripture. At a time when society didn't value and treasure women, God saw fit to record this account. And it takes up the better part of, of chapter 4 of, the, of, of John. Uh, at a time when it, women didn't get a whole lot of credit, God saw fit to inspire the writing of this, of this account. And, and he gives credibility and authority to a woman's testimony. A woman's testimony that wouldn't have carried a whole lot of weight anywhere else except in the kingdom. It highlights the impact of an impact, uh, it highlights the woman and the impact that a woman can have on a society or a community. Would not have been a popular thing. It's a, it's a popular thing now. We've got a women's empowerment breakfast and, and it's like, oh, okay, well, cool. But uh, there are a lot of women's empowerment things. You can, you can find conferences every weekend in this city that are, are aiming toward a similar goal of making sure that women understand their value in society and helping them figure out, uh, helping you all know what is your value in society and that you can make a difference. That's, it's not an uncommon thing now, even though it still is pushed for and it has to be fought for. But, but at this time, this would have been like, why are they wasting all this time talking about a woman? Why are they giving so much influence and so much authority to a woman? So I love that Jesus saw fit to do that. To really appreciate what's happening, I want to highlight a couple of additional reasons that this conversation shouldn't have been hate taking place in the first place. Then I want to draw out an encouragement that will help us. And uh, moms, I'm hoping, that, I'm hoping that this encouragement will help inoculate you against mommy guilt which is real. Jesus, the first, the first thing being that Jesus was Jewish and she was a Samaritan, and I already highlighted this, but they had no societal dealings with one another. And Jesus is like, I understand that culturally there's no dealings between us, but I don't care. I'm gonna jump in and I'm gonna do this thing. I thought about the way that he jumped in is that he understood the lines that he was crossing when he went to talk to her being a Samaritan. And he didn't expect her to come to his culture. He was going to meet her exactly where she was at. 
when we step across the line of a culture, we need to make sure that the culture that we're bringing something, that, that, that we're bringing people, the message that we're bringing somebody isn't the message of our culture, but it's the message of the kingdom, which super, supersedes all culture. So that we can share the gospel with somebody who doesn't experience life the same way that we experience life on a daily basis. Our testimony, the, the, the testimony, our testimony of the gospel shouldn't change much when you're in Sterling, Virginia, or if you're somewhere in China. Because the gospel's unchanging. And so often we put so many additional things on there. Oh, well, if you want to be a Christian, what you got to do is you got to... Can you imagine if somebody came here for their first time? If somebody had no idea what church was and they came to us and, and we were like, well, church means buying a whole lot of equipment and renting out a high school. You have to rent out a local high school and you need to put signs out front and you need to set up a tables and you need it. You definitely need a, you need a Lego table because that's what Christians do. On Sunday morning, you set those up and you've got donuts and cut fruit and you've got to bake cookies in the lobby. That is a must. The cookies are baked in the lobby every Sunday and on Father's Day, it's bacon. Right? Nachos. It's just so small to make a good plate of nachos. You need like a brick oven. You need a brick oven in the lobby. But can you imagine? And then it's like, then you got to come in and you got to sing these songs. And you got to sing three songs. Then somebody's got to get up and, and teach you a little bit and yell a lot. And then you're going to go back into the song you just sang and you might go into another song. But that's kind of, I'm not sure whether or not you do it or not. We'll get more clarity on that later. Then... You need two people to walk out and do announcements at the same time and talk about Mother's Day because that's what they did. They talked about Mother's Day. So we're going to talk about Mother's Day every Sunday. <laughs> right? You see how funny it is that like you can come and you can experience the culture of something and then you want to just come and replicate everything that you experienced somewhere else with no sense of what actually is going to work there. You can't take this model to Iraq. <laughs> you can't take this to Syria. We have some missionaries who are doing work with Syrian refugees in Turkey. And, and what they're, the way that they're having to approach it is requiring them to step outside of their Americanism and their, their Western thought and their Western experience and step all the way into the world that they're in so that they can share the gospel in a way that they understand it. Otherwise, all the cultural stuff gets in the way. So Jesus steps in and he steps across this. He knows he's talking to a Samaritan woman. He knows her thoughts. He knows her life. He knows her experience. And he's like, and I know exactly how to speak to you, exactly where you are. Jesus was demonstrating to us in that moment that the, the good news of the kingdom is for everyone. It's not just for the people who look like you and sound like you and talk like you and walk like you. One of the things I love about this house is that we're not just multi-ethnic. That's cool, but we're also multicultural. Because you can have a whole lot of different people who are a whole lot of different colors, but they're basically the same person. <laughs> is that offensive? <laughs> are we there again? That's twice in three weeks. Okay, so <laughs> let's talk about it. For just a second. And then I promise we're going to talk about the woman. Multi-ethnic, multi meaning multi-ethnicity. Uh, meaning that we divide the human race between uh, people who are black and white and everything uh, uh, tan. Somebody help me. What's the... 
Would one of my Asian brothers or sisters tell me how you want to be referred to? Asian? I was, hey, that'll work. I was thinking color. Colors? It's more than colors? Well, just stay Asian. I was highlighting colors and then I was going to highlight like culture. I was going to do it that way. Oh, well. So, what I'm trying to say is that not all Asians are the same. I know it seems obvious, but not all black people are the same. Not all white people are the same. Not all Americans are the same, right? There's, there's differences be- between all of us. And so to be multicultural is to say, like, hey, I love, I, love, I love all colors and all ethnicities and all cultures as well. I appreciate urban culture. Now, when I said urban culture, I didn't mean black culture. I meant inner city, urban, like cities, culture. I love that. And within urban culture, there's a lot of different cultures, right? It's just that it's become a euphemism for black because nobody knows how to talk about (laughs) It's not a euphemism. It's urban culture in this city. And in the city, there's all sorts of different kinds of culture. And we can appreciate that and celebrate that. And then I tried to say this word yesterday at the class, rural. Nobody talks about country culture that way. It's like (laughs) rural. There's, we've got, (laughs) you got the country, right? So you got the country, but in the country, there's all sorts of different culture. And so what I'm saying is, I just, I just love that, I just love that people, you you dress different than each other, and that, and that you don't, I I hope that when you come in, you don't feel like, oh, I need to dress like this or be like that to, to fit in here, but I can, I can wear a cross or you know, on a necklace or not, right? I can wear jeans with holes in them or not. I can, I can wear sneakers or whatever these are. I can wear a tie or not a tie. I could wear a suit. A brother wore a tuxedo last week. I was like, come on. Like, I'll take it. I love it. I'm, let's go. Right? But we're not going to, anyway, you with it? So Jesus crossed the line. He crossed, he crossed the cultural line and he did it in a way to show us that Um, the gospel is for all people in all cultures, all ethnicities, all colors, not just the ones that look like us. Um, The the second primary thing is that Jesus was a man and she was a woman. I know that's not earth shattering, but it would have been culturally inappropriate for this conversation to have taken place. It violated the social norms uh, for Jesus to be having a conversation with her to the point that even his disciples, when his, his disciples had gone to fetch lunch and when they were coming back, they, they were like, it, it's funny because the account says that they didn't say, why are you talking to this woman? <laughs> it's really funny. Like, so the account, the account goes out of the way to tell us what they didn't talk about, to tell us what they were thinking about. Right? So the thing that they were thinking about is, why are you talking to this woman? but they all kept their mouth shut because they knew that Jesus always has a reason. So they were like, let's just see how this thing plays out. Not only was she a woman, but she was a woman of ill, rep- or Ill reputation. It is the thing that makes her most famous is that she had had five husbands and she was living with a man who wasn't her husband. Side note, the only reason that a woman would have five husbands and living with a man other than the man that is her husband unless there's been a whole lot of death, is that a whole lot of men fell through on their responsibility. A whole lot of men fell through on their responsibility to her. Gentlemen, 
To love a woman is to commit to her. To love a woman is to commit to her for life. It is not just to enjoy her while you enjoy her at whatever level that is. It's to love her and to give to her and to to give. In in Ephesians, uh, Paul instructs us, men, give your wives, give your, uh, live, uh, men, love your wives as Christ loved the church and give yourselves up for her. And so for a woman at the well to exist, there need to be a whole bunch of men who lived wrong. The, the pornography uh, industry, can you believe it's an industry? It's not just a thing that sets off to the side. It is an industry of billions of dollars. Human slavery and human trafficking because men are falling short of their obligation and their responsibility. Men at whatever level you are living at, whatever, whatever level you're at in your workplace and whatever your responsibility is in your home, follow through and be the man that God has created you and designed you to be so that the world can be what he intended for it to be in the first place. As men of God, if you call Jesus Christ your Lord, you have a responsibility. You have a responsibility to the other people who are a part of the church, and you have a responsibility to the culture to set the watermark and to say, this is how a man lives, and this is how a man talks, and this is how a man walks. This is how a man loves his wife, and this is how a man takes care of his family. This is how a man loves his children. This is how a man stands up for what is right. This is how a man uses his money for what is good. This is how a man shuts things down that are bad. All right, but it's Mother's Day. Was that good for you moms? Was that helpful a little bit? So she, she, either, she either had a bunch of husbands die, which is awful, or she's a serial adulteress and divorcee, which is also not good. Right, like it's bad either way. So I, th- I think more than, than harping on this woman because she was an adulteress, I think we should look at her and say, man, this woman had a hard life. She is, at the, she is at the well in the middle of the day, not because that's when you go to get water at the well during the hottest part of the day. She's there because she's, she's cast out from society and she's, she's, she, people are like, man, that woman is a mess and we don't want anything to do with her. And she knew what they thought of her. So she's like, I'm just going to avoid the crowds of women in the morning because they're just going to reject me. So I'm going to come in the middle of the day and I'm going to hide from, from all the ridicule and all the accusation that's going to come by coming when it's most inconvenient for me. But at least I don't have to deal with all those other people that are cast me out. This woman has had a hard life. But none of that deterred Jesus. Jesus is the only one who's not surprised when people from the world are acting like they're in the world. (laughs) Right? He's not surprised when people who don't call Jesus Christ their Lord are acting like Jesus Christ is not Lord. Not a shock to him. It's not a shock to me if somebody who says they're not a Christian is swearing and going to the club not a shock. It's almost a shock the other way around. 
But if somebody calls Jesus Christ their Lord and they start using foul language and they're going to the club and petting, you know, betting on horses and doing you know, whatever it is that you want to do, that's a surprise that the love of God would produce that in your life. But Jesus isn't shocked by this. I want to say, no, she didn't get everything right. And she fell short of much of what was expected to her or of her. But, and here's what I really want you to hear today. This woman may have gotten most of life wrong. From, from a young girl on, we don't know anything about her parents. We know nothing about her situation. All we know is that this woman's life was hard. And she got a lot of stuff wrong. But she got the most important thing right. She got a lot of stuff wrong. But the most important thing, she nailed it. So while we still regard her as the woman at the well who had five husbands and was living with a man who wasn't her husband, in heaven she's regarded as the woman who led a town to Jesus. In heaven she's regarded as a woman who believed in Jesus Christ. In heaven she's regarded as as righteous as Jesus is himself. In heaven she's regarded as a cherished daughter. In, in the kingdom reality, she's a part of the unblemished, unstained bride of Christ. Check that out. Doesn't that turn everything on its head? Moms, I know that the, uh, the pressure from society is real, and it's never been more pervasive than it is now. The pressure on moms has always been real. At different times, it's different pressure. But, uh, but it's never been like it is now. I mean, we've got GIFs and websites and memes and, and blogs saying, do this, don't do that, do that, don't do this. You do that, don't do that anymore. It's going to kill them. Do this instead, only to find out that that's going to kill them instead. So you need to do the first thing because it'll kill them less slow or less fast. And so you're like, you know, a lot of pressure. Do I feed them these fruit snacks or not the fruit snacks? Can I use bleach on the tub or no bleach on the tub? Do I need to use grapefruits to clean the shower? Like, well, just tell me what to do. Like, do we wash their hair with pomegranate and bananas? I Just tell me what to do. How do you even get shampoo from a coconut? I, like, <laughs> what are you to do? There's all this pressure. Should I spank? Not spank. This study says this. This study says this. This study says this. This study, and you're like, I just want to get, I just want to not mess up. Some of you are terrified because of your past failings. You're afraid that it's going to destroy your child's future. Some of you, you're concerned about your current failings. Some of us are just scared about what we're going to mess up in the future. You're not even worried about right now. You're like, I got this as well as I can get it, but I don't want to mess it up in, in five years. I don't want to mess everything up. And you feel this tremendous weight to not mess up. Because you might, you might mess everything up. And, and I would say that we ought to be very encouraged by this woman's story. We got to know that this isn't God's heart or hope or heart for you. Regardless of your failings, perceived or otherwise. Perceived, even if they're real. Even if you really did mess up, mom. <laughs> it's not too late. 
That woman was at the well at the middle of the day because she was a lost, she was a lost cause. She had lost hope. Everybody else took back the value from her and put no value on her but God himself. Said you're a treasure and you're precious to me. What's amazing is it took everybody else chasing her out for her to be at the well when she was there so that Jesus could meet with her and give her what she really needed all along. She never would have been there if she hadn't been chased out. So if you've failed or you've been chased out or you've been rejected or you're running from something, that doesn't mean that it's over. It means you're in a great place to be met by the grace and mercy of Almighty God. Now here's the cool thing about, here's the cool thing about mothers. So when you get this one thing right, when you get this right, this, this most important thing right, and you share it with us because of the influence that you have over us, mamas. We'll believe. And your belief can sustain us until we believe. This is what happens. They said they believed because of her testimony. She came back full of the power of God. She went needing a drink of water. She got getting the drink of life. She came to them back with a drink of life. And she's like, he's here. Her life was changed. I have purpose. I have meaning. It's all going to be okay. God loves me. He cares for me. The Messiah is here. I'm going to be delivered. I'm not called by my sin anymore. I'm called by my, 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 by my victory. I'm called by his victory, not by my own failures or victories, but I'm called by his victories. I'm called by his overcoming, not by my own overcoming, because my, over, my overcoming falls short. And so, so she, she runs in, and everybody believed her testimony. This woman who had no authority, this woman of ill reputation, runs in, and she's like, everything is different now. And they looked at her, and they said, my goodness, it is different. And they believed because of her testimony. We will believe, mamas, because of your testimony. We will believe because of your testimony about who Jesus is to you and what he has done for you. We will believe when we see it in your life. Now here's the thing that happens. It, it, so, so it says that they believed because of her testimony and then it moves to this other part says, but now we don't believe because of your testimony anymore, but we believe because we've seen him. What you do, mamas, is you set us up at the foot of Jesus long enough so that we can see him with our own eyes. And sometimes it takes five years. Sometimes it takes 20 years. Sometimes it takes a lifetime. But don't stop because we could behold Jesus because of your ministry to us. Sometimes it looks like they came back and they ran away and they came back and they ran away. But just stay trusting Jesus. Stay loving Jesus. Let Jesus be to you who he wants to be for you and we will, we will follow. So she sets this up and everybody believes because she believed and then everybody, and then everybody saw Jesus for who he really was over, a, in this case, a few days. And because of what they saw in this few days sitting at the feet of Jesus, they came to believe as well. Mamas, you have tremendous influence. You have tremendous influence. And I would ask, get this, get this most important thing right. And God will direct the rest of your path. 
all of a sudden it's not going to matter if you're using pomegranates or coconuts in your child's hair. It's not going to matter if you're using fruit by the foot or fruit roll-ups. <laughs> Things we stress about, right? As you give yourself to Jesus and you allow him to give himself to you, he will lead you in how to raise your child. All the other stuff's going to fall away and you're going you're to see that the most important thing you can give them is not an organic apple <laughs> or banana, but Jesus. Jesus disregarded the customs, the cultures. He overlooked, the, he didn't overlook, he saw and because of her failings, he drew near to this woman. Despite her, her resistance to try and push him off and change the subject and talk about other things, he drew even closer so that this woman would know that she's significant in the eyes of God. And Jesus is just as pleased to do the same thing for you and I today. 